Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Or if you're listening to Positivity Strategist for the very first time, I welcome you warmly. I'm Robin Stratton-Burkessel, the Positivity Strategist. And thanks so much in advance for investing your energy today in listening in. Have you ever wondered what it might be like to sell your services or products from the stage or from a webinar? My guest today knows all about that and has created a lifestyle for himself by modelling it and leading others and teaching others. I met Dustin Matthews, Matthews with one T, last year when I was invited by a trusted colleague, Susan Mazza, who's also been a guest on Positivity Strategist podcast to attend one of his company mega events, and his company is Speaking Empire, which is based in St. Petersburg in Florida. Our relationship has developed over the last year, and Dustin has graciously accepted my invitation to be on the show. And it's really, really, it's to help him promote his new book that he's co-authored, No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations, which launches the day that this podcast goes live, and that's June 13th. Dustin, I'm so excited to welcome you to my world since I've been in yours from time to time. Well, Robin, I must say that was an amazing introduction, and I love the fact that you said one T. And, uh, you know, I tell folks it's the unique way of styling it. So that was great. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I discovered that, Dustin, by um, fumbling around with the two T's and saw it wasn't working for me. So I checked it out. And um, so you learn by your own mistakes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Dustin, if it's okay with you, in this conversation, I'd like us to focus on the topic of creating presentations to deliver profitable results. And I'd like specifically to focus on your gifts and talents as a marketer, a business leader, you're a coach and a mentor, and you've created a very successful business. So a couple of more words from me, and then we'll hear from Dustin. Dustin is the co-founder of Speaking Empire, a global business that empowers leaders to communicate powerfully unlock their fullest potential, and ultimately to step into their greatness in service of others. Now, from personal experience, Speaking Empire does that in a number of ways. And the cornerstone is the art of being able to design and deliver a powerful presentation to any given audience for profitable results. Now, Dustin, I might say that there are many kinds of presentations, and they come in different formats and different styles, They have different purposes, different tones, and they're delivered on a variety of platforms. Now, most of you, my regular listeners out there, are consultants and trainers and speakers. A lot of you are authors, facilitators, you coach, and you're in the habit of designing and delivering presentations for stage and for classrooms, for your clients, for money and free. 
because you love it or because that's your job. Now, my guest today may have a different perspective on that. So, Dustin, I'm wondering, what do you say to my comment that there are many kinds of presentations? Is that how you see it, or do you think that the speaking empire system for structuring presentations, that, and you teach that, is that it's about one size fits all? Well, you're you're absolutely right, and you're very very astute because I, I have been sharing this message as you'd mentioned in in conjunction with this launch of the book that's coming out, and most people immediately when they think of presentation, they think of speaking from a stage, they think public speaking right away, and so the concept that everything in life is truly a presentation, how you show up, whether it is in a room, how you show up in a boardroom, how you show up online. And it's this belief that, you know, everything that you do influences either positively or negatively, depending on what your cause is. And so, yes, the answer is that everything is a presentation in life. It's just most people don't think about it. And so, I know, Robin, for for your audience, you know, there are some folks that, you know, get paid to show up and that's how they make their money, uh, whether they're a trainer or, or a presenter. And I'm sure there's a segment of the audience as well that does speaking for free in the hopes of generating clients and business. And so either scenario really should dictate or really should force the presenter or the speaker to say, what's the outcome that I want to occur? And so it's my big belief that every presentation should get your audience into action. And we can talk a lot about what those actions are, but with that frame, I think that would benefit a lot of folks listening in. Yeah, and I want to go back there because I think you're alluding to your irresistible offer. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I, I want to dig into that. Um, I do have a question before we go there, Dustin, and that sure. is, um, you know, Speaking Empire trains um, existing and would-be speakers, as you've said, to create and deliver powerful presentations. And your UVP, your unique value proposition, is about selling, right, how to monetize your message, your mission, or your movement. It's, and it's not just about the value of the message itself, can you say, I mean, maybe I'm paraphrasing that incorrectly, but can you say more about, you know, your UVP? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are so many consultants and folks out in the world that are underpaid, in my opinion. And, and I suspect, Robin, if they're they're listening in, it's because, you know, a lot of us come from a place of service. We truly want to create transformation out in the world. And we, we like to see the light bulbs go off in people's eyes or above their head uh, when we work with somebody, whether that's one-on-one or, or one-to-many. And so we remind folks that it is okay to deliver a message and be handsomely rewarded for it. Now, I know that some people listening in or listening to this message may say, well, Dustin, you know, I've seen sort of um, this seminar world or, you know, I've seen some people that actually sell and make people run to the back of the room. And yes, there is a segment that's part of this world, just like there's an infomercial on TV that, you know, gets people into action to buy products. And you may never buy a product from a TV or in a room. But this idea that your presentation or that your message should cause some sort of action is really paramount. And so a lot of people, though, they don't think about that. They just say, I want to teach them to death. (laughs) I want to give massive value. And that's going to create change. And in some cases, it can for your best pupils and students in the audience. However, 
Most people end up walking out of there confused. They forget half the information within hours of, of you presenting it. And so this idea of getting your audience or the people in front of you, uh, board members, if that's you know where you appear, to take some sort of action on what you've presented is, is mission critical nowadays. Mm. Yeah, I like the way that you say take some sort of action because um, I was going to invite you and I will still invite you to help me reframe selling. Sure. Because I, you know, I'm like many people in my field, I'm very attached to my own content. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I believe in my message wholeheartedly and I, I even admit to being a bit of a purist. So I still find myself awkward. I, I mean, I'm still, I still find asking for the sale awkward. Um, so if you were mentoring me, what might you say to me to get over myself? Well, this is interesting. So I, I lean your way, Robin. Um, and you may say, well, you know, you're, you're not quite as far on the spectrum as, as you are. Uh, my partner, Dave, on the other hand, you know, you know, he will, uh, he, he will remind you of an infomercial. And so I can appreciate exactly what you're saying. So there's a couple things that I do knowing this side of the spectrum, if you, if you want to call it that. So number one is I like to leverage this idea that, there are things that we can do before we even present. So as a marketer, I've always been kind of behind the scenes, putting the ad advertisements together, putting content together. And But my frame has always been is how can I get people excited or how can I influence them ethically, ethically of course, before a presentation is delivered. And oftentimes when I was starting, I wasn't delivering the presentation, so I was supporting somebody else. But nowadays what I think about is how can I influence? How can I have multiple touch points, whether it's a video online? Can I send them an article that, you know, appeared in HBR or in Inc.com if, if that is relevant to my audience? And so number one is if you do have that purist thought and you do feel that sales is – I don't want to say evil, but necessary. That'd be the way to say it is great. Then don't sell, right? Leverage some of the ideas and strategies I'm going to share, but also leverage the idea of influence. And so in the book, we talk about what can we do before, during and after. And yet most people, all they think about is the actual message itself. Now, don't get me wrong, Robin, that you need to think about the message and and what you're going to say. But I also say, listen, if you don't want to come off so salesy, great. Let's do some things ahead of time so you don't have to sell so hard. Let's get the audience familiar with you. Let's do some influence touch points before so that life is easier during your presentation. And then obviously, let's do some after. Does that answer? Yes. I mean, what you're suggesting to me, Justin, is it's about having an overarching strategy mm-hmm. and the presentation is almost like the centerpiece of that. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There's yeah. one th- I can go a little bit further here. So, you know, I talked about the marketing, if you want to call it that, or the influence that takes place before and after. So articles or videos, um, even um, during your presentation is I know that you know, when I get up and, and talk, I'm not as forward as others. And yet I still am more, you know, out there than, than most people, especially uh, my friends that are in the corporate space or in environments like associations where they can't really sell or be promotional. And so uh, as an example, a real tactical example of what you would do is let's say you are speaking at an event or even on a webinar. What you would want to do is have that leader introduce you and, and say as many kind words as possible about you. And so there, we call that the transference of authority. 
And so just like you introduced me, Robin, I mean, you, you've brought me on to your show and you have introduced me and said kind words about me in that same way. We would love uh, to do that in, in front of a room. So have that center of influence uh, introduce you now kind of diving further into the presentation. There's, there's a lot of different outcomes one can achieve. And so, yes, you can sell your product or service, but what may serve you better is to actually sell them on the idea of sitting down with you, whether that's there on site or one-on-one. You know, some people call these strategy sessions. And so when it becomes that approach of, hey, let's sit down, let's talk for about 45 minutes, let me build value for you and whether or not you want to enlist in my services is great, but at least you walk away with a plan. At least you walk away with some value and clarity. And so that's a much cleaner, simpler way to construct a presentation and really not come off as feeling so salesy. Mm, yeah, it's just a mindset. It's about, you know, mm-hmm. really it's about shifting and reframing that. So yeah, you've helped me a lot there, I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> now you must be very excited about your new book and, and your relationship with Entre- Entrepreneur Magazine. How long have you had that relationship? Well, that's a, that's a good one. It's, it's still budding. It's still a budding relationship. And so I would say a year, but it really has started to blossom as soon as the, uh, as soon as it launched. And so a lot of it was, I was working with my uh, fellow co-author Dan Kennedy, and we were just collaborating back and forth. Uh, ironically, he's very old school and he loves to use direct mail. So oftentimes it was faxing and priority mails and FedExes to Dan and so we collaborated for about a year before um, things started to really move around entrepreneur. And so now I'm writing for them. Um, we're looking at launching some videos and now the book is, is coming out. So it's been a year in the making, but it's really starting to get good now. That's really good. And is that you alone or is that your speaking empire team? Is that you with Dan? What might that look like? Uh, the relationship with entrepreneur itself is uh, me being a contributing obviously an author for Mm -hmm. their entrepreneur press brand, but also now I'm writing for entrepreneur.com. And so that will be me. Um, and with the assistance of, of my team to make sure we have good, fascinating and interesting articles, uh, there, but that's something that will continue into uh, perpetuity. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I did read the two articles, um, that I found on entrepreneur magazine. I'm on the, on the website. They were terrific. Um, I'll put links to those on the show notes oh, page that will accompany this podcast. And for those, those of you who are listening in and not on the web, the short URL for this podcast with Dustin Matthews is positivitystrategist.com slash PS67. So I'll repeat that at the end if you're out there jogging or doing something as you listen to this and you want to go back and, and find those links and, and any other connect points with Dustin. So, Dustin, with the excitement of the book and your launch strategy, I am inviting you now to tell a high point story of when you felt most excited about your contribution to the world. Hmm. Wow. That's a that's a that's a good one. You have to stop and think for a second there. Well, please do. Uh, yeah. You know. The story, it's, I will, I will keep it as short as I can, but I I think it's important for folks to know, like I was probably the most reluctant guy to get up in front of a room or in front of others. And so it, it really starts when I was in university at school and 
in order to graduate to make the parents happy and obviously to, to make my way in the world, I had there was one thing stopping me. There was in my way at the time. That was my mindset, Robin. And it was this class called public speaking. And so what's interesting was I, I go and sign up for this class and I enter the part of campus. I enter the building and I find myself in an auditorium. So if you can imagine 300 seats stacked up like you would see at an opera house or, you know, obviously that'd be bigger, but you know, the same setup where the stage is front and center, the lights are there, it's elevated and all the focus is on the stage. And so I sit down, I grab my seat and people are talking before the class begins. And there's this, you know, loud murmur going on. Well, eventually the professor walks out on stage and he proceeds to say, listen, you're going to have to give 10 talks in order to complete this class. Three are going to be in front of all 300 people and seven will be in smaller breakout groups. And so I'm looking around saying, did anyone just hear that? Is anyone as concerned as I am? And so in that moment, I left. I found the back door and I like went out of there. Now, the challenge was I couldn't just like keep doing this. So I signed up again, but my mindset was maybe I can find a smaller class. Maybe I can find a, you know, uh, a breakout room or maybe I can find an online course. Those started to become popular at the time. And so what ended up happening is I signed up again. I find myself in that same part of campus and in that same room. It's the same pitch over again. And so, Robin, I would love to tell you that I conquered my fear in that moment. And now, you know, life is great. But I, I retreated yet again. And so I went out that back door and I, I decided, like, I was so afraid to get up in front of 300 people uh, that I, I was willing to do a lot more work than probably the class required. And so I went and started talking to people. I talked to students. I talked to professors. I went and read the student handbook. And then finally, I found a legal loophole. The legal loophole had said, if you had taken this class in high school, you could actually get out of public speaking in college. <laughs> and so fortunately for me, I had taken this class. It was called Model United Nations. And what's funny is I got up in front of 100 people and made my case as a representative from Great Britain. And the reason – why I decided to do this was I was chasing a girl, to be quite honest with you. And so I must have had the blinders on, Robin, because I was public speaking, but yet I didn't think of it at the time. And so I went and got the note from the teacher. I actually wrote the note for the teacher. He blessed it. He signed off on it. And then I turned it into the school. And so I got out of public speaking. And so I think it's funny now. Obviously, I run a company called Speaking Empire and have this book coming out. And so you'd ask the question about my my impact on the world. It was when I was forced to speak after that, years after that, where I met my partner, Dave. He made me cover for him. He was closing on his condo and he made me cover and I was very nervous and I told him the same story I just shared with you and, and everyone listening in, like, I'm not your guy, here's why. And he said, I don't care, you have to do it. And so I ended up doing the presentation. It was in that moment when people looked at me from stage and they respected me. And and, and Robin, if, if you don't, well, you know, but the listeners might know, if you t find my picture online and see me, imagine me 10 years ago. I, I do have a baby face, which I know is a blessing nowadays. But <laughs> back then, I thought it was a big hindrance because I looked like I must have been 16 years old. And so who's going to pay attention to somebody that's wet behind their ears, like a Doogie Howser, you know, like who's going to do that? That was what's, what was going through my head. But they did. And so I've seen that transformation over and over again is when you have specialized knowledge to share with the world uh, and you can help at least one person and, and make a difference in their life. It's that spark that 
makes it all worthwhile. You know, no matter what you get paid, even if you do or don't get paid, it's just that transformation. And so that whole long story that I just shared with you is really what makes me realize the impact of the world. And really, I had to overcome that confidence in myself so that I could go out and help others. Yeah, it's often the case, right? Mm-hmm. So what what does that story, you know, so an evolution really, what do you think that says about your talents and your strengths? Hmm, good questions. Um, I like to get to the heart of people. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I believe we all evolve. Um, you know, the greatest the greatest transformation in my experience has been stepping out of the comfort zone. So I remember saying, gosh, I'm never, I'm not going to do this. And then I had to do it. And I, and I remember actually having a, you know, a, a unique, or I had an aha, a transformational aha. And I said, wow, you really do grow when you're outside the comfort zone. And in, in my early years, earlier years, I said, I need to be this adrenaline outside of the comfort zone junkie. That was my, my thought because I said, wow, if I just grew right there and I had great results, where else in my life am I afraid and have this fear of these blocks? And so early on, I remember just doing it and looking for them. Now over the years, you know, it's real easy to, to forget. And so I am less conscious of that now, but there, there are times I catch myself and I said, ah, that's just me out of my comfort zone not knowing. So let's go get some knowledge and let's go take some action. So what what is that? What 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 does that mean? You're out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You, you want to learn something and take action, um, and they're your strengths. So it's like the inquiry and the learning and yeah. the implementation. So let, let me just say this because I've been in your workshops, right? And I mm-hmm. really admire your knowledge in your field. You know, in the marketing space, the branding space, and speaking space. You know, you're incredibly energetic and at the same time I personally my experience of you is that you're very humble and you're very generous with you know your time and your knowledge and so on so I would say they're your you know their strengths that are character strengths that I would see and so thinking about getting out of your comfort zone and then doing some research and taking some action how might you describe that as a strength well here, you know, I, I, this is really interesting. I, I, I didn't know. I, I guess I at first I find it hard to believe that people would would care about this. But this is this is what makes you so awesome, Robin. So here's here's what I think about myself. Interesting. Um, one is I have a curious nature. I love the game. You know, I read I read a you know, in college. I never took marketing or business. I was a nerd. I was an introvert. I was a computer guy. And so I often was behind building websites. And so when I came across this business world, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I thought I was going to be the next real estate millionaire. But on that journey, I found out that marketing was my passion because you can put words in print. You can say words in a microphone or on a stage and you can get people to take action, donate to a charity. You obviously sell a product or service, subscribe to your list. And that intrigued me because I had never taken psychology. And I'm like, well, you know, this is a form of like, how do you motivate people? How do you get them to take an action? And that intrigued me. And so Mm -hmm. ever since that occurred for me, when I read the book and I I, and I discovered marketing, I said, this is my life, like uh, just motivating people, obviously for for forces of good and not evil. But how do 
you get people to take action? And so for me, I've always had that curious nature. As you said, I, I've been humble. I've, I've learned that um, being around interesting figures. And I, you know, and I think being raised by, you know, my, my, my grandmother from the South, uh, from Georgia, you know, really taught me that. And so um, just, I think the curiosity really drives me. I'm fascinated by different industries and niches. Um, you know, what are the hot buttons? What are the words that people use to motivate in this industry? And I think I, I just bring that naturally because there's always something new to learn. And so I think, you know, at the end of the day, to, to sum that all up, I think it's that curiosity. If you can have curiosity, um, in my opinion, that, that just takes you so far. I love that. Yeah, it's a great asset. Yeah. And I also have images of you um, working so hard because the kind of folders and binders that you <laughs> give out to people weigh a ton. Um, so as a kid, what were you like? Were you very studious? I mean, what might your parents say about you as a kid? Oh, this is this is a fun one. So <laughs> I well, I was a military brat. I guess that's the, the term they use. And so we bounced around a lot and I was the only child. So, you know, naturally I was I was really it was really tough to leave. So um, I wasn't the extroverted. I was introvert. I lost I lost a lot of friends, you know, and we didn't have the Facebook and all the stuff that we have now. And so. I believe I was curious. I was raised science. I remember doing model rockets. So I was intrigued by how things work. And I was, I had a scientific mind. I was a math and science person. And I actually, Robin was really bad in English. And so I remember one night, this was in the fifth grade. I, I was in Florida and my mom and dad are there and it's like 10 o'clock at night, which is, you know, semi late for a kid to be up. And I have to finish this English paper. So I write it and I give it to them and like, they are giving me feedback and you know, I, I don't know how to take feedback at that age. And so I just remember being up late. I remember being tired and I was crying. Because, you know, my excuse was, well, I'm math and science. I don't need English. And so I, refl I took that mindset and I just I had bad work um, and it wasn't great. And so I just remember crying because I just couldn't get English. I couldn't get writing words on a paper, which is funny and ironic because that's the greatest area of, of growth. I, I believe mm -hmm. one of the greatest areas of growth for me is I've trained myself to become a copywriter. So when you mention I have a lot of stuff. Uh, it's because I collect marketing um, because I'm fascinated by it. And so now I write a lot of words um, in mar for marketing. And actually, I've really turned it up in terms of content as well, something I've been resisting a little bit, quite frankly. Um, and so, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I just think it's lovely to hear these stories um, <laughs> because when you hear people's stories, you get to know them a little better and you can relate to some of the stuff that they're talking about rather than just talking in the abstract all the time. Sure. Um, but um, I, I'd love for you to say a little bit about how you started in the speaking business because, you know, ba based on the stories you've been telling us about your fear and how you actually overcame it by giving a presentation as to why you don't have to attend a presentation class <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then talking about your strengths and so on. So how did you start this, get into the speaking business? You mentioned Dave. So maybe you could just give us a little background to that. Sure. And, so, and in doing so, Dustin, I'm just kind of forwarding here. You know, what what effort has it taken you to get where you are today? So the you mm. know background story. 
Yeah, sure. You'll have to remind me of the effort part because I, I guess I want to answer it now. It's like I don't I don't I mean, obviously, a great deal of effort has gone into the journey. Right. I, I believe everyone has put in a great deal. When you look back, you're like, wow. But I don't I, I, looking back. It's easy. I'm a rose tinted color guy, you know, looking oh. back, you know, so I, I don't think of it as work, although I know I worked a lot and studied a lot. But I was I was so passionate. I, I was mm. fortunate to find what I what intrigued me and has always intrigued me. And I just kept figuring it out. So it, it didn't seem like a lot of work, but but we'll, we can get back to that. So so I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I got really excited about real estate. I thought I was going to be the next thing. So that was right when I got out of school. And so, you know, I, I didn't have a job, you know, I maybe goofed off a little bit much in university. And so I moved back home with the parents and uh, that wasn't a great thing. And so um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so I thought it was going to be real estate. And what happened was, is I met a person named Dave Van Hoos and um, he had just launched a startup company. And so I met him because I went to a real estate investor club and I was nervous to go. And so in the room, it was like, what reminds me of the New York Stock Exchange. People were yelling and selling, you know, these, they were yelling like these weird terms, like I got a three, two block and this part of, you know, like, and they just, it confused me. And so I retreated and, and then I went to where the people, uh, you know, have their tables, the vendors, the people that actually wanted to talk to you because rich dad told me, go find a mentor. And so I went to where people were trying to sell me things. And, and that's where I met Dave and he had had this startup company, uh, called foreclosures daily. And so I said, listen, teach me about how to buy a house and I'll come work for free. And so it was in that journey. Uh, it was in that, that I discovered marketing. And so fast forward a little bit, Dave's closing on a condo. He says, listen, Dustin, we have a presentation. Uh, I have a presentation to give, but I can't do it. I said, okay, um, here's my story why I can't do it. And he said, I don't care if you want to pursue this passion that you're on and continue to work with me, you have to do it. And I said, okay, I got to do it. So I remember that day. I, I went immediately once I found out and I took a shower and I didn't know about meditation and visualization, Robin. And so I, that's what I was doing though. I was in the shower and I was just like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. What am I going to say? So I get out of the shower and Dave calls and he tells me, hey, listen, I've got some good news or I've got bad news is what he says. <laughs> and he says, the bad news is I'm not closing on my condo. Now, I immediately think, oh, this is good news. Uh, bad news for him. Good news for me. And so he's like, I can do the presentation. I say, OK. So I go back to the office and that that phone rings again, Robin. And it's one of those moments in life where you look at the you, you know that something's about to change. And so I, I look at the phone and reluctantly I just know. But I pick up the phone. Right. That's that opportunity keeps knocking on my door and I finally answer it. And so I look at the phone and Dave says, listen, I got to close tonight. It's back on. You got to do the presentation. Of course, I panic, but I did it. Mm -hmm. And so it was that covering for Dave um, story um, that really allowed me to see the benefit of speaking and giving presentations in front of others because we basically invited 50 people to come out to a session mm -hmm. and we made a presentation and multiple people bought. And here I was driving down to Naples, Florida, which is about a three and a half hour drive uh, for those of you in other parts of the country, just to sell a $99 subscription. It cost me more in gas than the commission I was making to make the sale. And so this idea of like, let's get a bunch of folks in a room and invite them and deliver one message one time was really powerful. And so it was that journey. Like once that hit, once I understood that, okay, marketing is about getting attention and then you have to deliver a message. I put a lot of work in, I put a lot of effort in, but I was fascinated by it. And, and maybe more than curiosity is fascination. If you can mm -hmm. find something you're fascinated with in life, I don't 
I don't think you work. You know, you do work, but it doesn't feel like work because you're 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 like a detective looking for the clue on how this thing works. At least that's how I feel. Well, I love that the fascination. Like you're entranced by what you do, um, and you're fascinated. So that's that's they're beautiful words. Um, what time frame has taken place since you and Dave started to do these presentations together to where you are now? Thirteen years. Um, oh. It's really been 13 years and I've been blessed and fortunate because when I was at the company, we did um, $14 million in sales. We did Inc. 500. So it was a pressure cooker. I mean, it was very stressful. We did a, we did over 2000 events. And so at that time, we I got to spend a lot of money. I was the director of marketing. I had moved myself up through the ranks and I was a startup. So it was, it was very quick, very fast. And so um, I was spending lots of money in newspaper and direct mail and radio. And so the, you know, Gladwell says, you know, you put a 10,000 hours in, I was able to do that on someone else's dime and see and test a lot of different ideas. I was fortunate to be able to do that. And I think what's unique now is now I own my own company and I still do that. And so it's now my own money, which is different um, a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit like, oh, this is this is not, you know, play money. This is like my money, uh, you know, as a business owner, entrepreneur. Um, it's very powerful. And so, you know, doing all those presentations, filling all those events, I got to see um, what worked and what didn't work. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of people is they don't just get out there enough. Um, one out of fear, but two, just because opportunity doesn't come or they don't go and get the opportunity. And so it's just those repetitions. You got to get the reps in, in my opinion. And that's part of the effort, right? So it's experience. Nothing beats experience. Mm -hmm. So I want to come back to something we touched on at the beginning and I said, I'd come back to it. And then uh, is the irresistible offer, which you're, you've trademarked, right? Yeah, um, that's right. And so, um, and you have a number of these innovations. You know, you've been able to build things together, reconfigure certain kind of obvious things into something that's, you know, special and put your unique way to it, your unique label, your unique construction to it. So um, over to you now. Tell us a little bit about what the irresistible offer is and how it a- works. Absolutely. Well, the, the first thing is, I, I, you know, I love to, to, to demonstrate and, and show things as I, as I explain them. And so I created this thing called irresistible offer architecture. Now, I'm not the first guy ever or gal to talk about how to put together a hot offer or an irresistible offer. But what I identified where there were nine elements in writing a bunch of presentations and writing offers and marketing. And so I identified nine elements. And so what I said was, okay, there's nine elements and I codified them in a process I teach, a series of three triangles and I have examples. And so I went, I didn't go down to the trademark office, but we filed with an attorney, uh, the trademark for irresistible offer architecture. And so for you listening in where you don't feel like you have a unique advantage in the marketplace or you ask yourself what really what makes you different what can get you there quickly is whatever it is that you do to make people successful uh, in your coaching business or your consulting business um, and it could be let's say let's take an example of weight loss 
right? So let's say you're a personal trainer and you have five steps to really helping someone transform their body. Maybe it's drink more water, go to the gym, walk five minutes a day, and four and five, step four and five, right? So those are the five steps. But what I would ask you to consider is naming that process. So at the end of the day, we could call it the Matthews method, right? And so if we went and trademarked it, no one could ever take away the Matthews method. And when you say it, it's like, well, tell me more about that, right? If it's your ideal marketplace. And so first off, I want to share that. So you do yourself a great favor by creating language or creating trademarks or ideas, high core concept ideas that you can share with people. It's part of that curiosity and fascination effect that works for me. Um, so that's that's what I want to share immediately. Now, what it what is it? So my belief is that at the end of every presentation, you should make an offer. And so an offer can sometimes be, you know, a sit down to get a plan with you. It can be to go opt into your list. It could be to join your Facebook community or subscribe, or it could be, you know, to buy a product or service. And so what I look for is how do we make it so irresistible that someone wants to say yes. So let's take take this example. I know a lot of uh, you may be listening in and a lot of folks listening in are in the coaching consulting world and strategy sessions or, you know, appointments are a big deal. So I say, don't just sell them on sitting down with you, but sell them on sitting down with you and give them tools and resources as a bribe, an ethical bribe that makes their life easy. So go, I'll go further with this. If you were showing someone how to innovate, you're an innovation strategist. You obviously can do a sit down for like 30 minutes and give them a plan, but I would love to see you give them a copy of your book if you have one or a white paper that you've written. And I would love to see you give them some sort of innovation checklist. And so now if you were delivering a presentation and just wowing them with case studies and amazing stories and you know your expertise, at the very end, you could say, listen, if you wanna go further with me, Here's what I'd ask you to consider. I have a few opportunities to sit down with some of you. And just for sitting down, I'm going to give you these two powerful tools as gifts, my, my way of saying it. And so not very salesy, but it still leverages this idea of irresistible offer, meaning don't just make it ever about one thing. Give them some other things where they're sitting there saying, well, Robin, I don't know if I can pass this up. Like, I just want to get that guy's checklist or I want to, you know, I want to see, you know, what he has to say in his book. And so that is one of the core components of irresistible offer architecture. So you're actually giving more value. Absolutely. Yeah. Very simple way of saying it. Yes. And also um, delighting people, you know, mm -hmm. who doesn't like to think that they're getting something additional. Wow. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and my, my thought is that I never really want to pressure someone into the sale because it, it usually doesn't work out like it, the sale unravels or they're not the right client. And so my mindset is this. And I suspect because you're the leader of this tribe and community and you share the similar mindset that, you know, folks here want to over deliver in value. And so I always say this, listen, um, just for trying me out, just for sitting down, you're going to get tools and resources that are going to make your life easier, whether or not you do business with me. Like that's just how, um, I don't know why this is coming to mind, but that's just how I roll or that's just how I am. And so that's what I would say. And I believe if you just put more out there, you're going to be taken care of in, in the long term. So, yeah. Um, so Dustin, what's most important to you right now? The baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so June 6th is when the doctors say the baby is coming. And I say the baby because we're choosing not to find out. So I don't know boy or girl yet. And so, um, the doctor on Friday told us 
this past weekend, Memorial Day weekend, um, the baby was could come. And so the baby hasn't come yet. And so uh, what's most important to me is the baby and making sure mama's taken care of. And uh, Dexter, uh, my little guy who's uh, two and a half years old, um, you know, is all healthy and, and, you know, ready and prepared and ready to rock and roll. Wow. So there's lots of things happening. Baby being launched, book being launched. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Life is sweet. And you have a big um, workshop coming up, right? That's right. Uh, Amplify event. That's right. At the end of month. And, you know, as soon as the baby comes, I'm committed to taking two weeks off. So um, a lot of stuff is happening and I'm fortunate to have a good team and uh, partners out there making things happen while I uh, get to spend time with the family and be at home. Well, I'm sure Mama, the kids and you will be so happy about that time. Okay. <laughs> Dustin, we're, we're just coming to a, an end now. So is there anything else you'd like to share that may have come up for you or that I haven't yet talked about? Um, by way of conclusion? Well, you know, I, I usually ask folks to consider this is whatever your goal is in life, you know, obviously self-servingly, it could be to create a powerful presentation. It could be to find the love of your life. It could be, you know, drop five, 10 pounds, you know, whatever your goal is in life or currently that you're working on. If you keep in mind this idea of taking one small action it can dramatically, dramatically reduce stress. And so this idea of one small action is, you know, listen to another podcast by Robin, right? Tune into another episode. It could be go on Google, do some research, you know, go buy a book, go to a seminar, you know, just something small, 15, 20 minutes each day. And by all means, if you want to go further, for sure, do so. And when you do this over the course of a year, it'll have taken you 365 actions, right? 365 days in a year. And you'll be amazed at where you end up. And oftentimes it won't take 365 days because you've got momentum and you'll get there a whole lot quicker. And so uh, don't do what I did in college, which was stay up the night before procrastinating the whole semester and then trying to write that paper or that project. Uh, Chunk it out every day and it will make life easier, more fun, less stressful, and you'll get a lot further. Wow, that is a great positivity tip. Thank you for that too. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, very cool. So it's been wonderful to speak with you and to find out a little bit more about you, Dustin. So thanks with all your very busy schedule for being on the show today. Let me remind folks who are listening that this is positivitystrategist.com forward slash PS67. So then you can go to the show notes page and you'll find lots of links to Dustin Matthews, his website, his book, social media handles, his articles and his company. So um, thank you again, Dustin. I've really, really enjoyed speaking with you today. Thank you, Robin. I I really had a blast. You you had some hard-hitting questions, and I love them. (laughs) Well, you can handle them. Good stuff. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows so grow towards your best